Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I am one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by Jared. What's up? Hello. <laughs> we finally get to talk about our namesake episode today, Tahiti. With its giant acronym, but they did make up that one. <laughs> Tracks, as, as we talked about last week, not, not a real thing. Tahiti, they did make it up. I don't remember what it is. But yeah. It was something. Well, well uh, <laughs> I'm, I mean, this will come... This this will come up again and again um, in the next couple episodes, and I believe next season too. So we'll have plenty of time to talk about it. Um, just just some business before we get started. Uh, we are part of the But Why Though podcast community, um, so definitely be sure to check them out on Twitter at, at But Why Though PC and But Why Though Podcast.com. Lots of good content. Um, we are very proud to be a part of their community. Um, and not just Marvel stuff, uh, all kinds of nerd stuff, anything pop culture that you're into, I'm sure you could find it there. So go check them out. And then also, if you're not caught up on S.H.I.E.L.D., it's on Netflix through season five. Um, if you're not caught up and you don't want to listen to spoilers, uh, just be aware that we'll announce our spoiler section towards the end of the episode. And that is all. <laughs> um, all right. This is season one, episode 14, Tahiti. T-A-H-I-T-I, which is so hard for me to spell still for some reason. <laughs> it just doesn't look right. Doesn't. I know exactly. I always know what's right, but it does not look right. It's like Mississippi when I was a kid. Yep. I have to like triple check every time I write it out, especially with the periods in between. Like when you write it out altogether, it's usually fine, but. No, it does. It distorts yep. it immediately. You're like, wait, what? No. <laughs> um, so this episode was written by Jeffrey Bell. He did 084 and I Spy. And I don't know if he was back then. I, I, I didn't, didn't pay as much attention like uh, when uh, this episode's credits are just in general, but I believe he's like the executive producer by this point, yeah. by like the present day. Yeah. So he's, he's pretty involved in everything. Um, I think he is credited pretty early on as being executive producer. I can't remember what episode I first noticed that, but um, you're right. He is he is deeply entrenched in Agents of Shield <laughs> on multiple levels. Um, he's not he's not like uh, Jed and and uh, Marissa, but he yeah. he is like the, the showrunners and creators. But he does seem to be one of the one of their guys who's been around from the beginning. Yep, definitely. Um, this episode was directed by Bobby Roth, who also did The Hub, um, and it originally aired March fourth, twenty fourteen. So we left on a cliffhanger. Um, if you don't remember, um, Sky was shot by uh, Ian Quinn, uh, point blank, twice in the stomach, and she is in very critical condition. Um, and so we left off with um, Sky in a hyperbaric chamber on the bus, and they were getting ready to transport her to a medical facility. So here we are at the Shield Medical Facility. They're wheeling her down the hallway, um, and she's being wheeled into surgery. Um, Meanwhile, the team is in the waiting room and Fitz and Ward are blaming themselves. May is blaming Quinn. There is just a heaviness in this room. Um, Coulson's on the phone. He's trying to reach Director Fury. Uh, I have an agent dying and there are questions only he can answer. So it's very clear that Coulson's trying to find out information about his own death to help Sky, most likely. It's really bad. Um, the doctor comes in after sky surgery and there's nothing more that they can do for her. Um, doctor says they should call her family and Colson says we're her family. It's real. It's, it's real bad. Um, back on the bus, May storms off and runs into Ian Quinn's cell and beats the shit out of him. <laughs> it is a rare moment to see May lose control like that. And Colson has to step in and be like, Asian May stand down. Um, and, 
geez, they're going to find a way to save Sky. So they're going to um, they they put Sky in this med pod and put her on the bus, and she's on life support. Um, we find out that HQ wants Quinn to be taken directly to the fridge for questioning, but Coulson says no. Uh, he wants to keep him in their custody, which seems like oh, that's probably not a good idea. Um, and they're going to go to um, Bethesda because that's where um, his file says that he was treated after his death. And um, Coulson realizes he needs to tell the team what happened to him after Ward seems very confused. So um, he tells everybody um, he is in the lab with Fitz and Simmons and uh, he pulls his file out and he's like, you guys need to read this. And it's a what level. Is it level 10? Level nine? I can't remember now. It's past level seven. I don't remember though. I think it's like level nine or 10 because uh, I think Director Fury is the only level 10. Everyone else is below or maybe uh, I don't remember now. <laughs> it's mentioned in this episode and I didn't write it down. Um, but anyway, it's his death and recovery file. And Fitz is like, it's against the law for us to read this. And Colson's like, I don't care. I'm ordering you to read it. Um, and uh, Simmons and Fitz are like, what about Tahiti? What was all that about? And Colson goes, turns out not so magical <laughs> uh, in true Colson fashion. Also, uh, a non-comics connection, but I looked it up to see, you know, when we had the Triskelion and the hub and whatnot, like we found out that the hub was introduced at the same time in both the comics and, right. the, and the TV show. And at, whereas the Triskelion started off in the comics and, uh, I looked up to see if the fridge was something that had already existed. And the result was really funny is because I found, I went through a couple online resources because there's nothing that came to mind. It wasn't yeah. something I remembered seeing before. And the only thing was a couple appearances of real life, uh, professional football player, uh, uh refrigerator <laughs> Perry, <laughs> uh, guy whose guy whose nickname is refrigerator is the only person who's ever been in a Marvel comic. And the only thing who has an entry in any like, Marvel uh, resource about appearing in the comics who appeared in some issues of of, uh, of Iron Man, I guess. Oh my God. So that's the only other fridge reference there is in the comics. <laughs> yeah. William Refrigerator great. Perry. Uh, that's for, pretty for, great. So, but I thought that was pretty great. I'm like, oh, well he did. Uh, uh, the fridge did appear before in what? an issue of <laughs> Iron Man as a football player. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Um, so it seems like the fridge is in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, original, I believe. Original. Cool. All right. So Coulson hands this file over to Fitzsimmons to try to decipher anything, anything that can help Sky. Um, we go to May and Ward in the cockpit. And Ward's uh, kind of talking through his um, – He he's saying that he wouldn't make the same call for Sky, that um, he wouldn't – he doesn't think Coulson's doing the right thing. And May says, if Coulson thinks there's a chance in a million to save Sky, to save any of us, he'd take it. People like us, we need people like him, which is like super heartwarming. And it's so true. We need people like Coulson. <laughs> All of us too. Well, and, and I like that, you know, it's some something that we've observed before that like, you know, May and Ward have like had this intimate connection in the last several episodes, which, uh, you know, she was both cold to him, but then kind of comforted him when he was upset about, about, uh, sky in the previous episode but like so they have some sort of connection and i think that that is like they're they are both people who don't really wear their emotions on their sleeves they compartmentalize everything they're very much action oriented and they're like they're perfect super spies for this reason either yeah. they already came in with these personalities or they developed them during their training whereas like colson is like always been their like go-to people person he's the connection 
between them and the real world or or with superheroes or whatever it is he's the he's the person who actually cares about people and values them and knows them and like it, it, i think it highlights the difference in their personality and in a weird way the similarities that may and ward have yeah like, that's so true oh man colson's just such a unique character and i really love him like <laughs> i do too we don't get that many nurturing like like there's all sorts of men in comics and in you know, comic derived stuff that are leaders in a very similar way. You know, you have Professor X and you have the almost the same person in, in DC comics who's this character called the chief, but he's just like even more screwed up in their, uh, their franchise, the doom patrol, where he's also the leader of, mm-hmm. of a group of freaks in a wheelchair, but like he like actively messes with their lives and like makes them worse and weirder oh, and like transforms <laughs> them. Like, he's just a kind of a little bit of a sociopath, but like, there's all these different guys, you know, Tony Stark at different eras of his life and like Captain America, like and even Captain America, who I feel like is a very nurturing character at the same time in his leadership roles. They don't have these kind of like personality that, that Coulson does. Like it's very unique. And I feel like it's a, a different version of masculinity and a different version of leadership and of like, I don't know, just superheroing or spy stuff or what, whatever you whatever angle you're looking at it from. It's, he is very unique. I think I, I, I love him. It's so so interesting because you think of spying and just this type of, you know, combat work as he is the antithesis to what you would think of as someone being a spy or an operative. And I know he's not technically an operative, but um, you have to be cut off. You have to um, kind of you can't necessarily have close relationships. And Colson doesn't really have those. But to the people that he does have close relationships with, like he is all in. And that's so counter to what we're used to seeing in a character like this. It's super refreshing. And it just gives a whole different spin on what anti-toxic masculinity could do for roles like this, like in real life. Like if you think about like law enforcement and things like that. It, it, I think you're absolutely right. And like, it just made me think like us talking about it, the way he is, is almost like it's, it's interesting because he serves the same role on shield where he's amongst humans as he does in Thor and in Avengers when he's, on when, when he's actually in the world of superheroes where he is the grounding and emotional and humanity side. Cause like, yeah. and whether it's people who are c- intentionally cutting themselves off so that they can, whatever, protect humanity from, from the bizarre and insane, or just because they're part of like, you know, super elite military organizations and you know espionage uh, operations, either way, they're like, they're disconnected from reality and, and from their emotions and who they are. And like Colson, whether it's Thor visiting from Asgard or Ward being a cold James Bond type, you know, who's betting women and not thinking about it and, you know, jumping off into a helicopter never to see them again. Like, like either way he offers like a sort of antithesis and a way to bridge these characters who are larger in life into the viewer's world. And I think it's kind of interesting. That's so, I love that. God, I just I love Colson so much. He is definitely the best part. (laughs) (laughs) We we love lots of things about this show, but it's hard to deny that Clark Gregg and Colson and just the way he's developed over time has been like amazing. Yeah. All right, let me figure out where we're at. Uh, Oh, May and Ward are still in the cockpit. So um, they get a radio transmission. I don't know what to call it. Um, (laughs) That they're in trouble. Uh, So they get a shield escort because they've disobeyed a direct order. They did not hand over Ian Quinn to the fridge. And so they get flanked by these F-35s and they get boarded. And guess who boards them? None other than John Garrett 
and Antoine Triplett, yay, <laughs> um, played by Bill Paxton and BJ Britt, respectively. Um, we'll get a little bit more into those characters later. Um, apparently Garrett has been chasing Quinn and he's lost three agents to him. And so this is a little personal for him as well. Um, he and Colson both want Quinn to pay. Um, meanwhile, uh, Trip and Ward are catching up uh, uh, by the bar <laughs> and uh, Garrett was SO to both of them. Um, and so they kind of know the deal and they're kind of hashing it out and uh, Trip tries to get Ward to give up Quinn and Ward refuses and they get into a fist fight. Um, Garrett and Coulson come in and break it up and they've uh, come to an agreement um, with HQ. So Garrett will interrogate Quinn on the bus and they will find a way to save Skye. Fantastic. Simmons, meanwhile, is in the lab with Fitz and they're kind of looking through Coulson's file and she's like, the only thing that's interesting here is GH325. Um, it's the first time that's mentioned. Uh, and, but Simmons is pretty horrified at all the stuff that uh, they did to Coulson and she's not sure that they should do this to Sky. And Fitz points out that Sky is actually still alive. They are not bringing her back from the dead. And so this is different, which is a good point. Um Meanwhile, in the interrogation room, Garrett walks in and is talking to Quinn, and he's asking about Cybertech and the Deathlock program, which Coulson's like, what's Deathlock? And there's some uh, clever quip about, oh, 80s wrestler, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> old, du- old dudes being funny. Um, <laughs> um uh. And Quinn mentions that, um, you know, he didn't shoot Sky for revenge. He shot her because the clairvoyant told him to. So that adds another layer of mystery. Meanwhile, in the lab, um, Simmons is trying to get hold of Dr. Stryton. He's the one that Coulson confronted about his trip to Tahiti um, in the back of his car. (laughs) And apparently Stryton has gone off the grid. Uh, Coulson Coulson wasn't actually treated at Bethesda. None of the doctors or the OR exist. It is not a part of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's weird. This is weird, weird, weird. Um, Back in the interrogation room, Quinn is is telling Garrett how the clairvoyant led him to all of Garrett's agents, um, and they still want Coulson. Um, shooting Sky enabled them to be able to figure out how Coulson was brought back from the dead, since Coulson himself doesn't know. Um, and this, the only way to prevent the clairvoyant from finding this out is to let Sky die. So it's this crazy conundrum. What do we do? <laughs> They're in a real dilemma because he can't let her die, but he also doesn't want to give that information to whoever this boogie, boogie man with the clairvoyant yeah. is. Yeah. Um, so in Coulson's office, May and Coulson are discussing, should they even treat Sky? Like there's so much weirdness around this. Even if they could find the facility that he was treated at, should they even do it? It might give the clairvoyant exactly what they want. Um, and May says this line which i find interesting we need to do everything humanly possible to save sky hmm (laughs) what about inhumanly possible um (laughs) so fitz has an idea um since colson was treated off the books nothing uh that they're going to find in shield archives is going to actually refer directly to it so they're going to look through all the administrative archives for a paper paper trail around it so like travel records things like that um, and they find something called Guest House, GH. Um, and they find what they think is an encrypted file, but it's actually just like this binary image of a landscape, which is a little weird, but hey, good work, team. So they find this old World War II bunker um, that is called the Guest House, and they decide to go there. 
um, I guess that file was only accessed by a level 10 or 11 agent, whatever Director Fury, Fury is. He's the only one who's at this level. So they're assuming that this is the place that they need to go. The guest house is not a shield facility, so they have to go in armed. Um, Simmons and Trip are going to stay behind with May to keep an eye on Sky, and everyone else is going for a ride inside the bunker. At the guest house, the team walks up to the front door. So it's Fitz, Coulson, Garrett, and Ward. Um, they walk up to the front door. There are actually two dudes inside, and um, they ask a uh, spy protocol question. Um, How is the drive from Istanbul? Uh, and the team doesn't have the countersign. And so Colson just kind of pleads with them. He's like, we're here seeking medical attention. Please help us. Um, and they don't budge. They keep asking this protocol. Um, so the team breaks in. And um, uh, when they're in this elevator shaft, they realize that comms are down. There's too much mountain on top of them. So they're kind of on their own. Hopefully everything goes well. Uh, they have to get inside this sealed room. So Fitz gets them in and shots are fired. They end up taking down both the guys inside. And as one of them is dying, they're asking him, you know, help what we're, you know, let's figure this out. And he's, he mentions that Colson looks familiar and Colson's like, yeah, I spent some time here a while back. And the guy asks Colson if he knows about the timer timer shit. <laughs> so Garrett uh, yells out, we got a problem. <laughs> Great timing. Uh, so Garrett mentions that he found a uh, syntax everywhere and um, that there is a timer for less than 10 minutes. So we know what that means. This is all going to blow up. So hurry up. Um, back on the bus. Trip and Simmons are having a moment. Um, and it seems like Trip is a little into her and it's very cute. And um, Simmons is kind of talking about her relationship with Sky, how they have nothing in common, um, couldn't be any more different. And but Trip's like, you couldn't imagine your life without her. And Simmons is like, no, I can't. And Trip says, sometimes a person takes you by surprise. Wink, wink. <laughs> well, no. And, and then like right when that, scene, or that, when that uh, scene closes out, she also like he basically says something along the lines of how he hopes that she'll have his back the same way. Like she does uh, skies one day without like, (laughs) without making a very clear intention. It's like, it feels like an old fashioned, like I'd like to woo you. Like a sort of like a statement almost like he basically lets his intentions uh, be known without saying them like in a really, really overly like clinical way. And it's very sweet. It is very sweet. It's like, I I will see you again. You will have my back. (laughs) Um, Right as this moment ends, Sky starts to code. Fuck. So they have to go in and and take care of her and make sure they still keep her alive while they're waiting for uh, the boys to finish up in the guest house. What a blow up your friend's spots, guy. Come I know. On. What a what a uh, cock block. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Prima donna. She's like. <laughs> so uh, they they see this timer issue is happening. Colson and Fitz have to run off to find the GH three twenty five, and Garrett and Ward are going to stay behind and figure out if they can disable this bomb. Um, Colson walks into a surgical theater, and it's the theater that he was operated on. He starts having these flashbacks of this like. The music in these scenes, in this entire episode, is so good. It's just like this eerie, otherworldly shit that just sends chills down your spine. Like, poor Coulson is just like, like, what a mind fuck. <laughs> he's just like the look on his face. And then Fitz walks in. He's like, is this the place? And he's just like, uh-huh. Like, and that's it. <laughs> like, that nothing else needs to be said. 
Um, Coulson sees a room that says biohazard containment, which seems legit, seems like something that would bring someone back to life would be in there. Um, So they run in, of course. Um, And meanwhile, Ward and Garrett are still trying to deal with the explosives. And turns out this biohazard containment room is a lab. Um, So they run in without, you know, being covered or goggles or anything. Very safe. (laughs) They don't have time. Um, Fitz finds the GH-325 and then Coulson sees something on another door. It's Tahiti. Fuck. Um, so he tells Fitz, you know, uh, and Ward, you know, go run to the surface. I- I'll be right behind you. Um, so uh, Fitz, Ward, and Garrett blow the door so that they can escape. Um, Fitz goes, Ward goes, Garrett goes back to find Colson, and he finds him in a hallway and he's walking around like super dazed. And Garrett's like, dude, are you with me? Like, we got to go. We got to save the girl. And Coulson's like, don't give it to her. Don't give her the GH325. Don't give it to her. And Coulson, or, uh, Garrett's like, well, come tell her yourself. We got to go. It's, this place is going to blow up. Like, what the fuck did he see? <sighs> so badass pilot May gets the bus going and starts to take off right as the mountain is exploding. And Coulson and Garrett run on and make it just in time with really bad CGI right behind them. (laughs) (laughs) Not the best use of the budget. (laughs) Um, So Simmons uh, or uh, Fitz runs downstairs and he gives Simmons the GH325 and they give it to her. And Coulson runs in as they're injecting it into her. And he's like, no, but he's too late. And Sky's vitals dramatically spike and then she stabilizes and it seems like her heart rate is pretty normal um and trip is in awe of Gemma. he's like you're a miracle worker whatever he says i can't remember but it's very sweet <laughs> colson doesn't he's not happy he leaves uh and as he's walking away may asks garrett what's up and he's like i don't know it looks like you saw a ghost so at this point, uh, Garen takes Gar- Garen. God, sorry, I need food. <laughs> Garrett takes away Quinn, um, and Garrett and kind of Colson kind of have this weird goodbye that uh, suggests that this is not the last time that we will see him, which is true. Um, spoiler alert. So in Colson's office, May walks in um, and asks Colson like why he's not happy. You know, Sky, we saved Sky's life. Like, what's going on? And Coulson just kind of stares off into the distance. And we finally get to see what he saw in that room that said Tahiti on it. And he saw a dead Cree, a blue alien. <laughs> well, he doesn't know it's a Cree at this point, but he sees this dead blue alien in this chamber and there's tubes coming out of him. And um, whatever is coming out of the tubes is getting put into vials with different GH numbers on them. And GH325 was one of them. And that is in Coulson. And now they just injected that into Sky. What the fuck? And Coulson just says to May, it's all fine. We're all good. Straight applies to her. And she knows that he's lying. So, damn. And the very end scene, we are in Death Valley. And Lorelai is here. That's all. <laughs> That's the end of the episode. Which is like, okay, we just see this like crazy shit happen to like one of the characters that we super care about. And also Sky is like saved. Maybe we don't know what's going to happen. Is she going to yell crazy now because she has alien something injected into her? And then, oh, here's this completely unrelated nonsense in Death Valley that we're going to come back to. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I feel like the more we find out in this show the more we realize we just don't know. <laughs> like This is the beginning of a lot of really big stuff that we'll get into a little bit when our spoiler section like started yeah. with this episode. The other thing that 
is a little scary that we're kind of realizing more and more like director fury has this very like benevolent um sort of I guess I guess I feel like fans and most of the Avengers and and you know anyone that's that's watched any of the MCU like feels benevolent towards Director Fury like he's going to come in and save the day he knows how to handle things he's great. Um I feel like this show is giving us a different side to him and is showing how he is not accountable to anyone. Like he just does whatever the fuck he wants and doesn't answer to anybody. <laughs> like he straight up injected some shit from an alien they probably don't know much about and put it into one of his agents and then put that agent back in the field like that's <laughs> insane <laughs> yeah though no, it's uh doesn't feel like the best uh way to, way to do anything <laughs> like just like, like we'll see what happens inject this guy with this with that stuff and we'll see what happens and then they've now subjected another agent well i guess this guy's technically not an agent yet but another person to the same thing and yeah colson seems fine but do we really know that like how long has he been back like you know <laughs> it's nuts so yeah um this is also the first time we see a cree on shield um and we don't even know that that's what it is yet Sorry if I spoiled that for anybody, but you can go on the Wikipedia and find out that that's what it is. Um, so, yeah. Do you have anything else to add before we get into the spoiler section? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Um, on that note, uh, spoiler section time. Uh, we have a lot to talk about with John Garrett because he is this new character who is, uh, as you guys know, a, he's going to be a recurring character for the rest of the season, um, played by Bill, the, the wonderful Bill Paxton. And he has quite a backstory. Yeah, I have a bunch of information on on uh, Garrett that can kind of connect him to uh, to the comics that uh, come before and will lead a little bit into our spoiler section uh, discussion of him, just how he's different. But John Garrett was created originally by Frank Miller and Bill Sinekevich, and that is a very hard name to spell, but <laughs> it's uh, pronounced uh, Sinekevich. Uh, but uh, the two of them uh, uh, created Garrett as a supporting character in an Elektra miniseries, Elektra being the uh, villain slash hero slash love interest for Daredevil, and she was in the Defenders series recently uh, as well. And had her own really not great uh, movie. <laughs> well. uh, the better, the less we think about that, the better. Um, but yeah, he was created in Electra Assassin number two in 1986, I believe. And then, uh, he originally, I think he had a cyborg hand, like he had a prosthetic hand that was a little bit, you know, spy and and high tech for Shield and whatnot. But uh, he was pretty much killed in this story. And everything but his uh, first, I think he had an injury and had like his skull reinforced. So he had like, like, oh, a, like a metal skull. But then eventually he ended up having like, uh, I think they said in the comics, over 80% of his body is replaced with uh, with cybernetics. So he's basically just a head and the rest of him is, is a robot body. So he's like Darth Vader. <laughs> More extreme. He's like a uh, Grievous. Yeah. And so, uh, and so. It's actually similar because we find out later on that he's been severely injured in the past yeah. uh, in the show as well. And and the MCU or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. version of him has a, a cybernetic body as well. And he's actually the first Deathlock subject, which we'll mm -hmm. find out in several episodes in the future. And he actually, you know, as, as we get into the spoiler section, uh, he is, you know, as we find out that he was the SO or, or uh, 
the superior officer of um, both Triplet and Ward at, diff- at a different time. He's also Ward's recruiter and like mentor into both Shield and to Hydra, which is a pretty huge plot point later on. Mm-hmm. And this is not something that ever happens in the comics. He's he remains loyal to Shield to a point. There was a recent Civil War uh, two in the comics, which you'd think would be like a sequel to the real civil war, but was a sequel to a comic book civil war. Uh, so it's actually, I guess the third civil war in the U S <laughs> uh, in, in Marvel comics, but uh, Captain Marvel ends up agreeing with a human an inhuman uh, clairvoyant, ironically mm-hmm. enough, who predicted that uh, a bunch of stuff, including that the Hulk was going to go on this rampage. So she, uh, Captain Marvel authorizes the execution of the Hulk ahead of crimes, like going very minority report yeah. and executing him for future crimes. And Tony Stark, because he was uh, in, instrumental in creating the kind of folly that brought about the first superhero civil war in that event, he was like very much trying to stop it, trying to, trying to be on the side of the good guys this time. And, and basically like, hey, I want to do what Captain America did last time, be the one everyone thinks was right. So uh, he tried to stop it, and in the whole process of all of this, Shield sp- is split apart, and uh, Garrett becomes kind of overzealous and ends up using uh, Neil McDonough, who in the Agent Carter uh, show, I think, I think definitely in the short, in the first short between that and Captain America, the first uh, Avenger, and in in, in uh, Captain America: First Avenger, Neil McDonough plays Dum Dum yeah. Dugan, who is. World War II era, like soldier and member of the Howling Commandos, who becomes a uh, instrumental in the creation of Shield in both the MCU and in the comics. In the comics, he was the best friend and second in command of the original Nick Fury, and in it, he has been—he thinks he's dead and thinks he is just a series of uh, LMDs, the androids from the most recent—not uh, most recent season, but the previous season of Shield from the from the uh, the yeah. framework stuff—and. <laughs> uh, Basically, he believes he is a robot simulation of himself, but and, and is a pawn of Garrett's and kind of taking over Shield. But superheroes end up revealing to him that hey, actually you're comatose and and in a, or, or would be comatose. You're you're cryogenically frozen. You're dying because you're an old man from World War II. But your brain is being broadcast into all these robots mm-hmm. like a hive mind. You're still alive. You're not a what? robot. So he <laughs> turned on. It was a really weird story. It was in the. In the last, maybe the most recent version of New Avengers, which was a couple of years ago, he ends up turning on Garrett and helping the heroes, you know, kind of reestablish control over S.H.I.E.L.D. And it's really very weird. But uh, he was he was still out of loyalty to S.H.I.E.L.D. and to like the fractured spy organization it, it had become that he was trying to uh, to take control. And he, so he, he never really becomes a Hydra agent and never becomes a... Uh, anti-shield although he does go kind of crazy <laughs> way in the comics. all right <laughs> the other big one i'm going to save for next week's episode because it is about lorelei who we barely see we just see her a tease of her being someone who kind of enchants or mind controls people and she's uh spoiler she's an asgardian and we're going to find out a lot more about her next week uh like her history in the comics and uh it'll connect yes. more to the episode next week and the other one you'd already mentioned right before we got to the spoiler section, the Kree, who are the aliens responsible for characters like Captain Marvel and all the Inhumans in the Marvel comics and even in the MCU. And they are uh, always at war with various other alien species like the shape-changing Skrulls from Fantastic Four who are going to be in the new Captain Marvel movie and uh, cosmic X-Men allies and sometimes villains, these avian or bird-shaped alien <laughs> humans called the Shire. Uh, Captain uh, or uh, uh, Professor X has 
uh, one of his most long-term girlfriends was the princess of these uh, weird these aliens. Super weird. Uh, I think they even have a daughter that was just introduced in the comic. Uh, so there's a half mutant, half bird lady <laughs> uh, daughter just appeared in the new, uh, Mr. and Mrs. X, the comic book about Rogue and Gambit who've just gotten married, which I, I highly recommend. It's super weird, but it's good. Uh, and yeah, the the Kree. Uh, I think I believe this is their first explicit appearance in the MCU. They're going to appear very shortly after this this year when because this aired yeah. in what 2014, right? Yeah, I think we're in March. So I'm not sure when Guardians of the Galaxy comes out, but it's that it's that spring, and or no, no, that fall. I think it was is that right? summer. It was definitely 2014. I think it was in the summer. The came out, and so that will be our first time we hear the Kree's name. But it's f- coming right after yeah. this. So cool. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of cool. Uh, and yeah, so they experiment on human life, on other life throughout uh, the galaxy and whatnot. And uh, yeah, that's they first appeared in 1967 in Fantastic Four number 65, and they were created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, who created most of nice. the Marvel universe, pretty much. But yeah, that's it for comic connections. I remember the first time I saw this episode, no, you know, not really being into any of the Marvel comics, just being super fascinated by the Cree. <laughs> and I just like I remember sitting on like Wikipedia and various like Marvel, I don't even know, like arch- archival websites just like reading up about like all the crazy uh, stories that they're involved in and I was just like oh my god I love that they brought this into S.H.I.E.L.D. and they brought this as like a reason that Coulson is alive <laughs> and now Sky <laughs> just I don't know well and it definitely plays directly into the Sky I and mean, human yeah. stuff really, really well uh, makes a lot of sense it's interesting how they connected everything like like Garrett made a lot of sense without the, the twist coming up where because the big twist is that Garrett is the clairvoyant. Yeah. Well, so since thank you for mentioning that because I forgot. So I he is he seems crazy now to me. Like when I when I watch this episode, like because I know the layers of deception that he is like enveloped in, everything he says has like a double meaning. And there's this one line that he has when he's talking about Ward, and he's like. Uh, or he he mentions that you know I, I sweet talked HQ into letting me uh, interrogate Quinn on the bus, and he's like looking at Ward, and he's like, "You wouldn't believe what I could talk this son of a gun into," and it's like he just has this crazy look in his eyes, and Ward's like, "Yeah," but with the, the full context, knowing it's like it's by murdering people like while torturing them for no reason. Yes, <laughs> and then and then there's a line where he um he's talking to Quinn, and he it, it's like after you know everything is resolved and the um the the guest house is blown up. He's talking about how like, yeah, like he he says the clairvoyant played you and left you to rot. And it's so weird having him say that. And it's like, that's you dude. Like, (laughs) and you still didn't find out what you wanted to find out. So, uh, (laughs) and everything's gone now. So I don't know. Like, it's just super weird knowing that he's the clairvoyant and seeing him interact with everybody. And then also just paying attention to his dialogue referring to himself in the third person be like who's this clairvoyant everyone's talking about (laughs) kind of amazing it is kind of amazing but he just seems super crazy to me now like i don't know like he seems like that kind of cool like buddy buddy agent that's gonna like help you get out of a tight spot type of thing when i first saw this and he was just like a cool character 
Um, and now he just seems nuts to me. Um, it's taken away that, that magic charm that Bill Paxton has. And just, I don't know. No, he's really, he's, he's always good and everything. And it's weird. Cause he was kind of like, he was likable the first go around without knowing yeah. it. It doesn't seem crazy. You just think like, Oh, that's just spy or military talk or whatever. You know, he's just ta- hyping up this guy who he used to be, you know, kind of in charge of and like, but it doesn't, it doesn't have the same sinister connotation when you know him and every and his whole yeah, story. Yeah, like when he was there was a moment in this episode where he's talking to Fitz and they're like trying to blow the door because I guess the the door that they got in like sealed itself when they got when they were trying to get back out and he's like putting explosives on the door and he's like asking Fitz like, oh, if you ever had explosives training, explosives are a fascinating specialty and he's just like you know it's it's it seems just like 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 you said like normal spy talk but. It just, it seems creepy to me now that he's just, I don't know. And then when he mentions that like, oh, I think we'll be back sooner than you think because uh, Trip has a thing for your biotech girl. I just, I don't know. The other thing too, it's it's really good to see Trip again um, after all this time. (laughs) Because I really love that character and I was really bummed the way they ended his story. It's very very sad. So it's, um, I forgot that he was introduced in this episode with John Garrett. So when he came on screen, I was like, I did a little cheer. I was so happy to see him. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I have nothing else to say about John Garrett other than fuck him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I got nothing in particular on him, on Garrett, uh, beyond that stuff we've talked about. We'll get to know him more throughout the season and, his his relationship with Ward is super fucked up. He's like the anti Colson. Yeah, he is. And instead of trying to like give them a family, he exploits them and just makes them into like his tools. He just like isolates him even more. God. Um hey, so I know last episode you were talking about um how uh John Garrett has a mustache in the comics. Yes. <laughs> uh in the comic books he has a push broom mustache. Uh and like and really floppy kind of goofy eighties hair. Yeah. I just think that's so funny that I feel like, um, I feel like if they would have introduced this character with any type of facial hair, um, he would have immediately come off as like this diabolical dude and it would have given away (laughs) who he really was. (laughs) It's it's possible. Uh, Especially, I guess it's weird, but those, you know, big mustaches, I, I guess it's a Snidely whiplash's fault. From uh, the old um, Dudley Do Right cartoons, yeah. Rocky Bullwinkle, who's the bad guy who had the crazy long mustache that he would twirl, and there's all the villains like him, the mustache twirling mm-hmm. super villain. So that's uh, that's believable. I'm going to send you a picture of what he looked like because I also described uh, in the previous episode that he, in his fir- very first appearances in the '80s, had like giant shoulder pads, yeah, and like, whatnot, and oh, no, he's just my god. This photo, no, could, with that hair and mustache, wouldn't he just looked amazing? He just looked absolutely amazing. <laughs> like, like, it would have been, uh, it would have made an, a great performance. I feel like just a little better. For- What's the name of the military guy that gets introduced that ends up being Gravitron later on? Oh yeah. Oh gosh, why can't I think of his name um, right now? I know. I'm- right yeah talbot so and he's a hulk character which i talked about before like really important in the hulk comic so i feel like this photo that you just sent reminds me of like a more exaggerated version of talbot 
<laughs> just like, no, I like that. with the, the facial cool. hair and the ridiculous hair and just like the swagger <laughs> that he looks like he would have. Uh, so good. We'll have to post that. And I'm going to show you what he looks like as a robot too. And we'll put that on the, uh, on the account no, later. Sorry you guys can't see this, but we'll be sure to post it so yep. you can, you can look alongside us. Um, yeah, it's just funny. So I was thinking um, about like, cause so you said like he wore like a suit that had like giant shoulder pads. Um, it's always interesting to me because in this episode, Coulson is the only one wearing a suit when they go down into the um, into the bunker. Everyone else is wearing like operative um, like body armor and stuff like that. And so I don't we very I, I, don't, I can't even think of an instance where we actually do see Coulson in some type of operative body armor type outfit. Like I feel like he's always in a suit. Yeah, I think I can. I feel like we've seen him in gear maybe once or twice, but very rarely. Right? Yeah. Like what's up with that? Wait, why? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I found these great pictures, but I can't save them off this one website because it's very uh, smart. But I will, I'll, I'm going to find some pictures of him in his various robot <laughs> stages because there's one shot from him in like in this Electro miniseries where he's just his head and you can see his like it looks very much like a T2 because he's just got this uh, metal skeleton attached to him and it's just a head and someone's like oh holding onto his head next to his like disembodied skeletal torso. And it's a very interesting image and kind of uh, weird to think about like them applying yeah. in a TV show. It would be awesome. So, oh, uh, I didn't realize, I had I had completely forgotten that Garrett was like one of the first Deathlock um, patients, participants. I don't know what to call it because <laughs> it's not like Mike Peterson was a willing participant, but okay all of his all of the story now is start i'm starting to remember now that we're like getting into this more like uh plot revealing stuff it's interesting that like garrett is so central to everything that's going on and it is now episode 14 and we are just now getting introduced to him it's like so crazy no for sure it's uh no, it's interesting. Like like you said though, that they've a lot of the stuff yeah. they've done has just been a really slow burn, and it feels like like this is just another example of it. Like they've planted seeds for a long time, and everything's kind of coming together. We're going to get to see more and more of, of Ward come out I know. slowly. I'm, and I, don't know. I like Bill Paxton a lot, and he does a really good job with this character. I just forgot what of a what a big scumbag he is, and now he seems even worse upon second rewatch. <laughs> Definitely has the added context. It's funny because it's not the same exact way we feel about uh, Ward, I don't think, but it's related directly. Like, like it's like the, the extra context of these two-timing, like, two-faced assholes, you know, these double agent guys, like the, the added context is definitely makes makes watching them very different. Yeah. Know? Ward definitely feels worse, though, I will admit. Just he is woven in so much deeper to the characters that we love. Garrett is too, but I don't know. This is worse. <laughs> it seems like a like a jerk, but it's less of a personal betrayal. Yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. Well, I think that's all I've got. Um, we have some cool comic stuff coming up in the next episode, so Lorelai will be back. Um, yep. And the return of of some some stuff from Asgard, and uh, yeah, Lorelai will not be alone from she Asgard. Won't. It'll be cool. Yeah, super exciting. So, um, if you do not. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Um, we're very funny there, and we do interact a lot. <laughs> we're so funny. Um, at Project Tahiti, 
Um, you can find me at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. And how about you? Uh, in theory, <laughs> you can find me at I Snow Nothing at Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, and you can send us an email, uh, ProjectTahitiPod at gmail dot com, or you can just DM us. Whatever, whatever, whatever suits you. Tell us your thoughts and desires and uh, how much you hate Ward because uh, we know we're not alone. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can start like a little hate Ward segment. I'll come up with theme music and everything if people want to write in and tell us why they hate yes. Ward. Actually, that reminds me, um, one of our, our listeners and one of our friends at Dead Letter Poets has been posting these threads after he's listened to um, our episodes and um, they're really good. He kind of goes through, I, there, a lot of them are like maybe 10 tweet threads and he talks about like different stuff that he noticed about the episode or that he liked. Um, and uh, he has a little spoiler section within his own thread, which is really cool. I kind of want to get him on as like a guest uh, so he can talk about some yeah, of the stuff. Um, but yeah, thanks. Uh, I believe your name's Wilson. That's what it says. So thanks, Wilson, for doing these threads. They're always fun to read. Um, but yeah, so uh, if that's all I've got, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you later. Bye.